And we're going to continue our study in the book of Romans. And we're going to be looking at today, verses 15 through 23. Romans chapter 7, verses 15 through 23. I would like to, I would love to ask how are you guys enjoying Romans, but it don't matter if we're enjoying it or not. We're going to be preaching God's word, right? Amen. Faithfully. And so, um... We're going to be looking at verses 15 to 23 here today. Um, but I'm going to jump in verse 13 and start off reading from there. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through, that, through what is good. In order that sin might shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual. But I am of the flesh, sold under sin. Verse 15. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law. That it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that the nothing dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Verse 19. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. Verse 21. So I find it to be law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making, my, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. And now I'm leaving you all with an appetite, you know, just but verse 24, I know y'all want to hear that a wretched man so bad probably today. I'm going to hold out. We're going to hold that out for the weeks ahead. And so let me pray for us and let's see if the Lord, uh, let's See the Lord encourage us with his word right now. Our Father God, Lord, we thank you, Lord, again for bringing us back to your word. Your word is true. Your word reveals us for who you are. So, Lord, let us hear your truths here today. Let us see your glory today, Lord. We ask you, Lord, to move in a special way, Lord, at this time through your word. Let your word, Lord, expose our hearts here this morning. your heart exposed that how we haven't worshipped you daily Lord so Lord we ask you Lord to bless us at this time Lord that we see your face through your word so hide me as my sister prayed hide me behind the cross Lord that they don't see me Lord they see you they see the glorious Savior who has given his life for his people the glorious Savior that continually working in the hearts of his people let us see you and let you be glorified, Lord, here today. And let us, through this message, Lord, die to self daily. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to be with us at this time. Help me, Lord. I am weak. I need your wisdom. Lord, so we ask you, Lord, to give me, Lord, your word right now, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Today we cover a passage that is talked about heavily and relating in the book of Romans. 
This is probably one of the most talked about chapter in the book of Romans or passage of scriptures in the book of Romans. One source says this, a long-standing debate centers on whether Paul is describing believers or unbelievers in this text. Although good arguments are given on both sides, the most widely held view beginning, especially with Augustine, and affirm, reaffirm the Reformation that Paul's primary reference in this text is to believers. In support of this position, there's one thing that says here. This shift to the present tense. We can see that the support is talking to believers. The second thing, unbelievers do not desire so intensely to keep God's law in verse 21. Number three, that says it's wise for believers. The distinction between I and the flesh in verse 18. Number four. The delight in God's law. Who delights in God's law? Believers. Believers. Verse 22. Number five. A deliverance from the sinful body is future. Verse 24. And we're going to talk about this later in Romans. And then number six. The tension between good and evil in the concluding statement in 725 is the reason why it's talking to believers. And number seven, the fact that Christians are already righteous in Christ, but are not yet perfected until the day of redemption. Now, the second position, not as widely held, but supported by a number of evangelical scholars, is that Paul is referring to unbelievers. And they have reasons as well. And I, if I had time, I would have kind of mentioned those reasons that they would say. But to be honest with you, the most important thing in this text is not about, you know, who's a believer, who's not a believer. And I don't mean to rain on your parade on this. What I just read to you is not the main focus of this text. And many people argue as they're trying to see that is Paul right here is struggling in life with a believer. It's not getting at the struggling. I mean, it, it talks about this believer and it talks about this the life of Paul. But what is the context of this text? The context is that even though we're saved by grace, we can still love the law. Because we're Jews in the church. Many of are feeling like, well, Paul is saying now is that you're a Christian. Now we don't need the law anymore. Get rid of the law. The law is not even needed. And Paul is arguing that the law is still good. So the argument of this text and the, the summary of this text, if you don't get anything out of this message today, is that the law is good. And that what Paul is trying to communicate this, that the law is good. And my life testifies that the law is good. Even when Paul failed the law, the law is still good because Jesus fulfilled it in his resurrection. And that we too that are in Christ will be raised up as well. How Christ was raised, we'll be raised. That the law is good and Christ has fulfilled the law. And God still by his spirit works through the law to show his holiness. So with that being said, yes. You know, um, I'll stand on the position of, yes, this is believers. And I'll stand on the position that this is Paul, actually, as a believer. But let's not spend most of our time 
in a way of let, let's stick with what Paul is doing to this church that can be very divided at any second right now with the law. Paul is using his life and also um, he's using his life. Last week we talked about, you know, how Paul described the law, but now he's using his life to go farther. He talked about his life last week, but he's going to go farther this week to be able to show how the law is still active in his life. So how dare you come and say that I don't like the law? The law has still been good to me, Paul is communicating here. The law has still been good to me. How dare you go around and gossip and say that Paul might not like the law? Because that's what has been happening in the past. Is that Jesus is a lawbreaker, they would say? They would say Stephen is a lawbreaker. It's like all the people that are trying to do right so happily, they're lawbreakers. And now Paul knows what can come up out of this. They can point a picture for him. So Paul is like, no. I agree the law is good, and my life testified the law is good. So jump with me. We're going to do it in three points today. Paul faced with the law as a Christian, in verse 15a. The law revealed Paul's heart as a Christian in 15b to 22. And last verse is going to be verse 23. The war with the law in Paul's life as a Christian. Jump to verse 15. For I do not understand my own action. This is uh, point number one, which is Paul faced with the law as a Christian. For I do not understand my own actions. Paul is talking in what tense? Present tense. He's in present tense in this. It's not past tense. It's actually present tense. He's explaining what does it mean to be sold under sin from verse 14. Look back at verse 14. and said, no, he said he's sold under sin. The law is spiritual, but being sold under the flesh is unspiritual. The law comes from God. But the things of the flesh come from man. Fallen man, it comes from Adam. It is not the spirit, it's not of the spirit to covet. It's not a spirit to lie. It's not a spirit to commit adultery. It's not a spirit to use the Lord's name in vain. All those things are of of the flesh. Paul here, now he's saying he's confused. Paul does not understand his own action because the manipulative nature of the, of the sin. Being so under sin, he obeys the slave master, which his name is sin. That's why he don't understand how he is born of the spirit, but he still follows after the things of the flesh. One person says here, Paul is able to analyze, but not fully to explain, the contrast between himself and the sin that dwells within me. There's a real and bewildering conflict between the energies of sin and of grace in his life. He imitates, however, that indwelling sin is a temporary and unwelcome lodger in him. While sin still accompanies his new identity in Christ in this life, the new identity will result to the final triumph over indwelling sin. So Paul is talking about as a Christian right now. This is Christian Paul. Paul's writing in the present tense, not the past tense. Of this struggle that he just don't understand what is happening. Lord, Lord I want to seek you. I want to pray to you. But my flesh and everything still want to do this. 
My, my flesh knows it's not right to take this call from this lady or this guy. My flesh knows that, and the spirit, I mean, my, I mean my, my spirit of me knows that because of the holiness of God, but my flesh said it's okay to do this. It's an opportunity to get quick money. It's an opportunity, the spirit of God has said that's not right. But the flesh says in the sense of that, go ahead and do it. It's a battle. It's a battle. But the law has revealed this. The law has revealed God's standard. And this is what Paul is facing at this moment. The law is showing him he is not walking in step with the spirit. And we can relate to this as believers. How the law is good even for us. It reminds us that when we give into sin, it is not if the spirit, it's not because of the spirit when we give into sin, it's because of the flesh. The law is good for us. Anybody in this room think you're righteous? I'm not the problem, but you're the problem? You're blinded by your sin. Family, we are the problem. We can't blame anyone for our sins but ourselves. We have to take ownership for our own sins. And Paul is getting here that right here is that it's the sin that is in him by his flesh. We can't blame the spirit. The spirit of God then causes the sin. It's the flesh that causes the sin. I talked to somebody this morning, and they were mentioning to me about a situation. And they mentioned to me that someone said something to them that was inappropriate to them. And they just spoke their mind. And I backtracked this person. And they said when they spoke their mind. And I said at that time though. Was that. Um, the things you said. Where did they come from? Well this person said this to me. Well you telling me though. Since they said this to you. This is why you responded the way you responded. And I said. The reason why you responded that way. Because it was already in you. It was already in the flesh that you spun it that way. You missed out on an opportunity of the gospel. But the Lord used that moment to show your heart. Nobody don't call you to sin. Nobody but yourself. You have to take responsibility for your own failures. When someone gets to the point and says, well, I don't have any failures. The Lord has blinded you. And I pray for you. But right now, though, is that the law and anybody like that, when we face up to the law, there's no way you can leave from looking at the law and come back and say that you're righteous. If you think you're a good person, look at the law. And Paul, that's why he's conflicted here. That the law is continually is working in his life. As more as Paul is thinking that he's righteous before God, the law shows Paul right here, that Paul right here, that you're not righteous outside of Christ. The law shows you that Paul, that you continually need a savior. If it does it for Paul, it's this for us. Then how does it work with the Holy Spirit then as believers? As believers, we have the Holy Spirit in us. And as we listen to the Spirit, it's as we will be in the law. The Lord used the law for us to keep and to obey. Because the law points to holiness. 
The law points to holiness. The Holy Spirit is better than the law, but the law derives from the Holy Spirit. The law can't save, but it does many things other than many things for the believer. A.W. Pink says this about the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. The Spirit occupies and quickens and enlightens the soul with the exceeding sinfulness of sin. It's not like the law, doesn't it? It's not like the law shows us sin, right? The Holy Spirit doing the same thing the law is doing, isn't it? He unmasks evil character and shows that all our self-pleasing and self-gratification are but a species of sinfulness, of enmity against him, against his person, his attributes, his government. The Spirit makes the convicted soul feel how grievously he has turned his back upon God. Doesn't the law does that? Jeremiah 32, 33. Lift up his heel against him and trample his law underfoot. The Spirit causes him to see and feel that he has forsaken the pure foundation for the foul stream. Foul birds for y'all, young folk. Prefer the filthy creature above the ineffable creator, a base lust to the glory, Lord, uh, glory. I hear that Pink goes on to make more distinctions about the Holy Spirit. Unregenerate souls regard eternal punishment as the greatest evil, but the regenerate look upon sin as the worst thing there is. Let me say that again. The unregenerate soul regard eternal punishment as the greatest evil, but the re regenerate looks upon sin as the worst thing there is. For an unbeliever, the Holy Spirit through the law reveal the eternal judgment for the place for the unbeliever. But for the believer, the Holy Spirit through the law reveal our act of sin, not our eternal judgment. We don't get hell. Unbelievers get hell, we don't get hell. So the law doesn't condemn us to hell. The Holy Spirit doesn't condemn us to hell as believers. But it does expose the sin of our life. But for unbelievers, the law shows them that they're guilty and hell is their, their, uh, their direction where they're going if they don't repent. So the power of the Holy Spirit, seeing is checked, mirroring how the law checks sin. So here in verse 15, the law is good because it continually shows us how we break God's standard as a believer. That's what Paul shows us here, that the law is good. Point number two, let me um, go a little quicker here. The law revealed Paul's heart as a Christian. So we just talked about, we just mentioned right here just a second ago, how Paul was faced to the law as a Christian. Now we're going to deal with how the law reveals Paul's heart as a Christian. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Paul desires to honor the Lord by keeping the law. As believers, as believers, do you have a desire to keep God's law? Amen. Do you have a desire to honor the Lord? Yes. If you don't have a desire to honor the Lord, you're not a believer. But a true believer is a person that has a desire to honor the Lord. But at times, Paul here does not want to honor the Lord. He doesn't honor the Lord at times. He does the things that he hates. Paul hates certain things because they are forbidden by the law. What's the thing forbidden by the law? Lying, 
stealing, killing, covetous, bear false witness. But Paul admitted that he do the very thing he hate, but via Paul's struggling hard as a Christian. He is a pretty good person until he approached by the Spirit through the law. Huh. Not too bad of a person here, Mr. Deese. I'm a pretty good person. But when you see the law and see what it is, you see you're not better than the person that's sitting across the room from you outside of Christ. Now, all of us in this room are guilty before God. All of us in this room. If your mind is wondering about, hey, I wish somebody else could hear this sermon right now, that's showing you the pride of your own heart. But right now, though, is that meditate, this, meditate on this yourself right now, even myself right now, that if all of our hearts stood before the law as believers, it will humble us because we will see that we have broken God's law. You see that his flesh won't, the desires of the world over the desires of God. Law. But the spirit in him wanted to honor God's law over the desires of the world. Listen to verse 16. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. When Paul does listen to the flesh, he agrees with the law that he sinned. Because the law proved itself again by exposing our shortcomings. And he proved that the law was good. If he didn't think the law was good, he wouldn't be constantly bringing it up during his shortcomings. So if the law is good, he is able to see that he is so under sin. So Paul is yelling out to us in this text. How the law is still active in the life of the Christian. How the law brings about this war in the life of the Christian. When we get rid of the law, there's no more waging war anymore. It's for us to say now is that we can be able to participate in sin. But when we have a law, it lets us know that sin is wrong. Paul goes on to verse 17. So now it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So Paul is saying is that, no, I am of the spirit now of Christ. I'm of the spirit of Christ. I no longer choose sin. I no longer delight in sin. But my flesh do choose sin. My inner man is choosing Christ, but my flesh and part of man is choosing the things of this world. So Saul said, it's not me doing it. It's not me doing it. It's the sin. It's the flesh that's doing it. It's not me by the spirit of doing this. So Paul is trying to get an understanding, wrap his mind around this. How can I be a true believer and sin is still conquering over, conquering, I mean, like it's conquering over God, which it can't do. So Paul is like the complexity. Why am I continue choosing sin? Why do I continually choose sin? Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin dwells within me. 
So Paul is blaming the sin that's in him and the cause of why he's doing this. He's blaming the sin. Verse 21, so I find it to be the law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. He wants to do right. The law does it. No law, he can enjoy the evilness, right? But the law is able to expose that. But verse 22, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being. <clears throat> Do y'all relate to Paul here? The struggle? Do y'all relate to Paul in the struggle? One person said this, D.A. Carson. Paul vividly portrays the frustration of the human condition. The very best people seek to obey God, but they find themselves unable to do so consistently. Say, listen to this. Everybody listen to this. The very best people. Listen to this. The very best, he says. The best. Think about the best person you know. The very best people seek to obey God, but they find themselves unable to do it so consistently. What this revealed, Paul concludes, is that the people are subject to some kind of sinful power. Sin living in me in verse 20, 17 and 20. My sinful nature in verse 18. Paul is not suggesting that people are not responsible for their action. Rather, he reminds us that the human beings are fatally bent away from God and towards sin by virtue of their involvement in Adam's sin. Because of total depravity. That we are we are already leaning towards by the flesh. We're a total corrupt. That not only that we're leaning, that we're all in with sin apart from Jesus. So Paul reveals his inner man, the struggle of the, the spirit and of the flesh. So question for you, brothers and sisters in here. What is the law revealing about you right now? What is the law revealing about you? Just think about that. What is the law showing you about your heart? If the law is not showing you anything about your heart right now, are you allowing the spirit of God to really search your heart right now? Because right now, as I think about the law and think about my shortcoming, I see how unworthy I am. But thanks be to God, right to Christ, I give my worthiness. So the law reveals the heart of Paul. How dare anyone say that Paul doesn't like the law? Paul loves the law. And the law is the one that is, is revealing this thing in Paul's life right now. Point number three, as we get ready to wrap up. The war with the law in Paul's life as a Christian. Verse 23. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in members. This members deals with the flesh man of Paul. The law of his mind reflects on the truth of God's word. But the flesh man of Paul was making war to it. You guys know in the Boston mess. Anybody been in a fight before? Y'all been in a fight before? Y'all win? Y'all don't tell nobody. <laughs> In a Boston match, you go back and forth. I can't use basketball illustration. I got to kind of diversify. I'm using Boston today. So in Boston, you go back and forth, right? Boston. 
And majority of the time, the best fighter wins. Normally, the best fighter wins in a fight, Joaquin. All right? I remember years ago, some of y'all are too young. Y'all too young for this. I remember a name Buster Douglas. Anybody remember Buster Douglas? That's amazing that only two or three people hand in the back over there. Buster Douglas. Who did Buster Douglas knock out? Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. Buster Douglas one source said, Buster Douglas is the standard of all upsets. This is the biggest upset in all sports. The biggest upset, upset into all sports, even to this day, they said it's the number one upset that nobody ever thought. If anybody bet money on Buster Douglas, they would have been rich. Don't be betting either. I'm just an example. Don't, don't bet. Don't bet. I'm going to seriously. But Buster Douglas, the standard of all upsets in combat sports, are now measured with. No one gave him much of a chance heading to his title bout with Mike Tyson. At the time, Tyson was 37 and 0. Tyson was knocking him out with one punch, uh, Demaya. One hit, they was out. He was asked to knock people out in 20 seconds. Even 30 seconds. So Tyson sported a 37 to 0 personal record, with most of his winning coming via vicious knockouts. Well, Douglas was a mediocre boxer. He was not good at all. He wasn't that good at all of a boxer. No one took him serious. They laughed at him. He looked like he was out of shape. He wasn't. He didn't have the right techniques. I mean, he looked, he looked like he was, what is he doing in the ring? How did he even get this fight? But what happened was, Douglas surprisingly held his own as the fight progressed, and he survived the count when Tyson dropped him in the eighth round. But Douglas went on to knock out Tyson out in the tenth round, securing the biggest upset in sports history still to this day. So what happened in this? That the strongest man, Tyson, knocking everybody out. Joaquin, he gets knocked out by nobody. A couple things we see here. Tyson didn't guard himself properly. Tyson didn't take this fighter serious. He didn't see Douglas as a, as a threat. And Tyson got knocked out. You might be asking the question like, Crescent, okay, like how does this work? I know you guys kind of see some similarities here. But let, let me bring it in. Let me bring it together here. Let me try to land the plane with this. Paul know that there's no way the spirit of God in him can lose to the flesh. If God is truly God, and God is the truly one that created the heavens and the earth, and God is in me by the Spirit, there's no way the flesh can overcome the Spirit. But putting confidence in the flesh and not relying on the Spirit will be just like Mike Tyson getting knocked out. So Paul put confidence in the flesh. The reason why they say Paul took a headache and got knocked out and gave him to sin because Paul wasn't trusting the Lord. It wasn't because sin was stronger than the spirit. The sin is never stronger than the spirit. 
It's a battle where you rely on the spirit and exercise and train in the things of godliness by the spirit so you can so you can say no to sin daily and yes to the law, the things of the law daily. So I encourage you to trust the things of the spirit because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave is the same spirit that can keep you from stumbling. So for you in here, again, that might come off here on a Sunday, and everybody look beautiful out here today. But your heart before the Lord, the Lord can see who you really are. You can hide yourself, you can look good, get, get everything done, but the Lord knows the heart of his people, and that's why the Lord has given us his law. The law goes to grab the deepness of the heart and show the deepness of the heart that you need a savior. So Tyson was knocked out as the greatest fighter that nobody thought he ever could lose because he didn't take this opponent serious. Family, we don't take sin serious. It overcomes us and it wins. It overcomes and wins. And we give in to the flesh. So what do we do? We trust in Christ. Listen to this real quick. I'm going to read a couple of verses as we end. From Romans 8. And we'll get into Romans 8 in the future. Verse 10. But if Christ is in you, all of the body is dead because of the sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the, to the flesh. To live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you would die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you would live. How do you live? How do you live? But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you put away ungodliness, you put away the deeds of the body, and you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. The reason why you're not living and living and you continually because you're not putting away the deeds of the flesh. But if you're truly son of God, you'll put away the deeds of the flesh. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we're children, then we are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. So for those that are suffering with Christ and saying no to sin and have seen themselves before the law and dependent on Christ's righteousness, they are sons and adopted by the Father. They are children of the Father. So there is no way the war between the law and his mind will lose to the law of the flesh, which is good. The reason why we lose on these bay-to-bay -bay battles because we don't trust in the law of our mind which is the law of the spirit of God is in us. So what's happening now as we wrap this thing up, as we give over to the application, 
First thing here, the law cannot save, but the law is the standard of God that reminds us of God's standard as a believer. The law is what the spirit used to let us see daily what holiness looked like. So we should be thankful for the law, Paul gets at. Paul is thankful for the law because the law points right back to God's grace. Number two, think about this question. Everybody think about this. You can put it in your phone if you want to. Everybody think about this. As believers, how are you doing with this war that is raising daily in your life? Everybody write their question down. Write it down, write it down, put it in. How are you doing with this war that is raging daily in your life? If it's not a war, if it's not a war and it's not a war that's in your life going back and forth, that means you're giving in to sin. That means you're enjoying sin. And you're not his son. You're not sons of God. We're saying they're the children of God. If you're not facing a war right now, you're not the children of God. And I don't want to say this and y'all, you know, say, well, he's pastor just, he's been angry right now. He's just not being nice right now. But I love you all. And by love y'all, I want to be able to preach the truth. I want to be able to give you the truth. You can say you believe in Jesus all day. You can say you love Jesus all day. But the question is, do he know you? If you truly know, if God truly knows you, you mean you are adopted as one of his children. And if you truly adopted one of the children, the war that is in you is raging. And you are actually able to acknowledge the sin that's in your life. If you sin is not a war in your life, I'm sad to say is that I, I'm, I, don't, I mean, I'm breaking news to you that if not a battle with sin daily, you're giving into sin and you're okay with sin, you're not a children of part of the children of God. Question number two I want you to think, consider. Have you given up some area and just came to the conclusion God will forgive me to do? I can go ahead and do and partake in any sin. God is going to forgive me in a way. I know somebody lying and cussing over there. So God is going to forgive me in a way so I can go ahead and do it. Again, have you given up some areas of your Christian life and just came on to the conclusion That God is going to forgive me in a way I can go ahead and partake in sin. What area in your life like that? Think about it right now. Don't look around. Think about what area in your life right now that you kind of say, this area right here is okay. It's a respectable sin. It's okay. I'm going to give Satan this part. I'm going to cut somebody off. I'm going to be slothful. I'm going to be angry and, and, and say bad things. What areas? And if so, though, is that that's the area that needs to be redeemed. It tells us in Galatians 5, 16, 18, keep in step with the spirit. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. 
for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. You're not enslaved to the law. If you're truly of the spirit. So how do we see it defeated in the Christian life? For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these oppose each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. So if you're led by the spirit, we're not enslaved to sin anymore. We can say no to sin. We can say no to sin. We can say no to these things now. No, nobody is making you do these things. We're doing them because we're saying yes to sin. We must say no. And until you come to that conclusion of saying no, you're going to continue and continually trying to see what the problem is. So I say start right now looking at ourselves. Look at your own heart. By looking at your own heart, then we can be able to see, okay, these are the things I'm desiring in the flesh and I need to say before. So Paul thinks the law is good, y'all. The law is good. He's not trying to get rid of the law. And his life's telling us all this. The law helps him see all this and explain all this to us. So let us hold on to the law. But for those that are not believers, for those in here that's not trusting the Lord, I would say the law right now is before you. That you have broke the law. And by breaking the law that you stand guilty before God. And that by standing guilty, if you don't turn into repentance, you will die and you will be separated from God forevermore. And I say separated. God, he's on the throne. You know why there's a hell there? Because God allowed hell to be there. And God's wrath is going to be there right there in hell. So, don't take this as a joke. Don't take this as a laughter time. I'm just here because my parents got me here. I'm here because friends are here. I'm here for this reason. Family, this is the best message you ever can hear in your whole life. Please don't turn your ears away from this. I pray the Lord open up your eyes for you better see that you need a savior. You need a savior. These earthly treasures do not last. The earthly treasures do not last. Getting attention from this world do not last. Don't let those things lie to you and take you to hell. Turn to Christ today. Amen. Amen.